Hey gang, welcome to episode 155 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive, brought to you by Meow Wolf. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from No Pro's secret refrigerated location in the San Fernando Valley, because LA is on fire. Actually, we're lucky, we're not actually on fire at this moment, uh, but it's really freaking hot right now. Uh, it is late in the afternoon on July 6th. Uh, this is going out pretty late. It'll be evening episode. This is going to be a mini-sode because, uh, as you all know, I, I was out for a few days uh, in uh, Qingdao in China at the Sandbox Immersive Festival, and i uh, going to talk about that in, in a moment. Uh, share with you sort of what I learned of the insights we've been gaining. This is just a me talking episode. Uh, I know some of you really enjoy those. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, if you were looking for interviews, uh, I'm hoping those are starting back up next week. Uh, but it turns out if you leave the country for a week, and yes, it was the first time I left the country ever. And yes, I am old. So um, <laughs> When you leave, you, you don't have time to record podcasts, um, particularly when you, you go to a country where you bring in a microphone, uh, maybe maybe not as smiled upon. Um, so we, we, we didn't do that this time, uh, but uh, someone else did. So there's some really great interviews coming out of that. We're going to do a quick bit of business here. Uh, I just want to thank all of our, 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 our usual suspects. Of course, there is Meow Wolf, uh, who are helping us move forward. This is the year that no pro goes pro. Uh, and they are a big part of that. You're a big part of that too. And, uh, the biggest parts of the, the, your in there, uh, the folks that we, we definitely, if, if you see them out and about who haven't done this one before, if you see these guys out and about, if you see Bradley Smith or Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin or Ross Sigworth, if you see them out and about and you listen to this show, you tell them, thank you. He said, Noah told me I should say thank you to you uh, because you re they really make this possible. So thank you all, gentlemen. Um, I, I owe you a lot. There's also some like Patreon-related perks that you guys should cash in on at some point, or I'm going to have one very lean month one of these days. Um, everyone at once be like, wee! Um, we're, also, we're also doing something new. Um... I need to I need to look at our Instagram because I I made this up the other day when I did the North American newsletter and then promptly forgot that I had made it up. Um, we are now doing a thing where we want to hear about your favorite shows that are out there in the world. Uh, it's really looking like I'm a place where I have no signal. So um, yeah, I guess I'm not going to remember what the actual uh, ha I think it's I think it's hashtag no pro loves. Um, I do think it's the hashtag no pro loves. This is, this is frustrating. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, I want to do this thing. So we're asking folks that, uh, what we're asking you guys to do is if you're out there in the world and you see a show that you, that you absolutely think is awesome, we want to hear about that from you. So tag us, um, tag us on Twitter or on Instagram when you make your post. 
uh, and like tag the account. And then you can also, if you want to play along and use the hashtag, hashtag no pro loves. Um, and that will, yeah, no pro love, no pro love, not no pro loves one. One is a thing and, and, and the other is an endorsement. So this is no pro love. Um, tag those. Oh, we're going to search for that. And, uh, we just, we want to know what you, you are really enjoying out there. Um, and, uh, a little more on that on the philosophical side of that. Um, when we get into that part of what I want to talk about. Um, okay. As I mentioned before, uh, I was, I was, uh, I was in Qingdao in, in China, the home of Singtao beer. Uh, yes, I wound up going to the brewery, uh, Melinda Lau of Whisper Lodge and I, uh, we, we scampered off, we, we ran away from the tour group and, uh, went to the brewery where I had raw beer for the first time. That is amazing. Uh, I highly recommend. And if you're, if you're in Qingdao in China and you, you must go to the Singtao brewery, of course. And if you do, and you've got all these options for, uh, the tour, uh, uh, there's different ticket levels that give you different amounts of beer. I want to tell you, without any doubt, you want the one that gets you the most raw beer possible. Just trust me on it. Trust me on it. Trust me on it. That's one. You don't need the beer that comes later. That's it's fine. It's it's good. But once you have tasted. The, the mana that is beer fresh out of the, 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 the brewing vat or whatever, you do not want any other beer after that. You just want to, you want to drink that. And that's all you want to drink. It's all I want to drink right now. In fact, that beer would be so nice right about now. All right. Um, so that's, that's the beer report. Um, I also went to Din Tai Fung while I was there, uh, which I haven't been to here in, uh, Southern California yet because there's usually a two hour line, but turns out, uh, in Marina city in Qingdao, uh, you can just walk up again served. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, you can even walk up and get, Oh, Oh, Hey Jesse. Uh, uh, there's, there's a dog here in our refrigerator and he's come to inspect. Uh, so we, we may get some, we may get some puppy love in a second here. Um, what's up, Jade? Oh no, you don't know what I'm doing. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, I'm in his spot. In fact, I think I might be on his. Am I on your pillows? Am I on your pillows, Jesse? <laughs> you know, n- none of this gets cut. None of it gets cut. Anyway, long story short, I'm Din Tai Fung. Oh my God, it's good. Just go. Uh, it's worth the wait. Uh, right. I didn't have to wait, but it's worth the wait. You know what I mean? Let's go together. What I'm saying is, who wants to go to Din Tai Fung with me once this heat wave ends? All right. Um, that's a thing we're going to do. Seriously. No. I'll hang out with you guys. Don't even worry about it. Um, we're seven minutes into the show, and I haven't talked about anything more significant than beer and bow. This podcast is now a beer and bow podcast. Okay. <laughs> Quit hedging. We want to know stuff. We don't listen to this for your personality. I know you listen to it for ideas and facts. So here we go. Sandbox Immersive Festival in Qingdao. Uh, emphasis was on VR. 
there was uh, a tent filled with a bunch of VR demos. Uh, sadly, uh, it rained like the last day we were there, and that was a day I'd sort of set aside to like stop going to panels and like start doing VR. So I only got to see a couple of things before we got rained out. Uh, and those things were uh, Dear Angelica and Wolves in the Walls. I went for like, you know, the top tier stuff first. And then I didn't get to see anything else. Uh, I've got this wonderful guidebook of all of this stuff I want to see now, and I'm going to endeavor to, to do that as time goes on. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you a bunch about, oh, here's these cool VR things you should download. Um, what I am going to talk about is there was just an incredible, incredible mix of people from all around the world. There were, there were actually a lot of people from LA, from Europe, um, course, obviously, from China, uh, Steve Boyle of Epic Immersive and I, uh, and Melinda Lau of Whisper Lodge, we were on a panel with a couple of guys. Um, uh, there was a professor from uh, one of like the big art schools in China. I don't have those notes in front of me, uh, so I can't remember which school. And he's, he, and he's like big, like when it comes to like, you know, this space, dude's like super important. So we were like blessed to have him there. Uh, and the uh, director uh, from uh, a theater company called Black Cat Theater, uh, who are doing, uh, who've been doing immersive work uh, in that uh, in that school, uh, like large scale, like you know, hundred plus people, sandbox style immersive. Uh, we got to see some footage of it and just like really gorgeous stuff. It was uh, site responsive work where uh, the the um, the uh, sculpting students had uh, gotten notes about what the show's themes were, and they had, the, the the students of the professor had built a bunch of sculpture pieces, and then the theater company came in and staged around those pieces, like this this call and response between artistic disciplines, which is just absolutely incredible. That theater company, Black Cat Theater Company. Um, they're actually going to be touring the states this fall. They'll be, uh, but they'll be bringing uh, a, a regular theater piece. They're not going to be doing immersive theater. But um, I'm really curious to see it. Uh, they're going to be at the Tom Bradley Theater at the uh, L.A. Uh, theater Complex in Los Angeles. I believe that they're going to hit up Denver. I think. I think I saw that. I'm pretty sure they're going to be in New York. So like, like national tour. I'll dig out those notes, probably not when I put the Minnesota, but like you'll see that in an upcoming uh, newsletter, North American newsletter, we'll put it in that. Uh, just just a kind of a running track here of, of, of tracking these guys. Because uh, we had a really interesting conversation, thanks to Melinda, uh, like afterwards, because Melinda speaks uh, Mandarin as, as well as English, uh, we were actually able to like kind of communicate kind of communicate we were able to communicate um and one thing that i sort of realized while we were on the panel like i think we were driving the interpreters crazy because you know how hard it is to talk about immersive with someone <laughs> as it is like if they don't understand it like if someone's not an immersive person and you're talking about immersive uh to them it's like okay i'm trying to understand this thing here but i don't get these terms you're using so imagine that but then that poor person has to then translate into another language. So not super smooth all the time, right? Nothing against, nothing against the translators for this one. Almost an impossible task because we ourselves don't understand our own language. It just it led to some interesting 
communication like i think we're talking about the same thing wait this oh okay cool uh and also an interesting exercise of trying to like uh, uh break it down because proscenium doesn't really translate like the, the the translators like don't know so uh i was saying that uh the site is the site's name means no fourth wall um and you know what uh, that works that works um uh that was that was really that was educational that was educational in a big way um there's definitely times when our brand is a little bit uh artsy fartsy because of the proscenium name um but i just want to remind everybody that uh you know google searches for urls often require you to make uh you know compromises <coughs> oh it's it's been a it's been a fun week so i'm a little tired for fun reasons um let's see what else is there so so that was a really great conversation right uh that we got to have afterwards and just getting the sense of this movement that we're all a part of and i mean all of us creators fans new media uh, all of us are part of this movement and it's international and the number of people on the maker side of things um, who were really interested in what we're doing over here and what we're doing at no pro and what theater folks are doing um, from the on, from the side of the people who are making VR who are just really fascinated with this and who are passionate about it uh, just charged me up greatly. I'm talking like heads of production of companies who have been to shows, you know, they've been to the willows, they've been to sleep no more. Uh, you know, they're, they're excited about digging down into some of the, the nitty gritty parts of the LA scene. They want to know what's going on in Chicago and Denver, and they want to see work in Cleveland. Um, that is a, a real thing. And it's not just like a couple of people. It's like pretty much everyone who's operating at that tier. Cause I'll go around sometimes to like VR events and there's people who don't know that immersive theater is happening. Right. And those are people who are kind of usually coming in from the film world. But once you reach sort of a certain echelon in this work to a man and to a woman, they know that the live immersive is there. And that is so heartening. Um, because there's, there's a whole world that's opening up. Um, and I want to talk to you about one of the one of the folks who's been on the show, who's a friend of the show, um, who's a great evangelist for all things immersive, who's an evangelist for this show, um, an evangelist for immersive technology. And that's Jesse Damiani, uh, who is also critical to me getting to go to Sandbox. And also, let me give a shout out to Eddie Liu, who is the, the founder and organizer of this festival. Um, just stunning work in terms of scale, absolutely inspiring, uh, an amazing group of people they put together. Uh, and I try, try to make this as like a humble brag. I'm trying to, trying to send a message to Eddie. You did good, man. Uh, and I, and I hope you, I hope you hear this. Um, y you've, you, you've instituted something and you've crystallized something that, uh, is going to have impact long past those few days we were there. And whenever we get to return, so Jesse, um, right before uh, Sandbox, he wrote a piece for Forbes about how um, basically how immersive design, how like XR, uh, you know, user interfaces are going to change everything. It's like it's going to be a giant, one of the biggest sea changes like 
bigger than the iPhone. Um, and it was a good piece and circulated around. That'll definitely go in the show notes. Uh, I, I got a chance to read it uh, once I got to slow down and just really great. And one of the things I want inter- to kind of go over specifically with everyone right here to get us familiar with some of this language, because this language is going to be important, right, is the term XR. Now, the more technological, ugh, that was weird. Uh, the more technologically inclined amongst you already are familiar with XR, but if you don't know, it stands for uh, this whole realm of immersive technology, um, because it's virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality. So now people are just calling it <coughs> XR, you know, like variable reality. Oh yeah, <laughs> X is a variable reality variable reality immersive technology for variable reality there we go um that is not what other people call that that's just what i'm piecing together that was that was a live one uh, you just got how noah's brain works um i'm not saying like have that be the tag phrase now and i'm not saying that i'm just saying i just put that together i'm like oh it's variable variable reality um so xr this variable reality stuff um it's uh it, it, the other thing that XR stands for is just all immersive technology and keyword immersive. And the key in this XR movement is that it is about spatial computing, about spatial interactions, about objects in space and people relating to objects in space, and even how your muscles are, are reacting to working with virtual objects, like just it's a great piece that he put in Forbes. I encourage everyone to read it. And where it impacts, where it crosses over with the live immersive world is that there's a, there's a whole branch here about connecting people, right? Culture is about communication, about connecting people and ideas. Um, it's, it's the way we transmit values back and forth with each other. Um, the way we share emotions. What's so interesting about live immersive design is it's about people designing interactions and scenarios to communicate indirectly through action, not just not just observing action, but participating in that action. And what? Digital immersive designers know. Oh, we were also on the panel with uh, Matthias uh, Chorberg, whose name I probably just butchered. Sorry, Matthias. He did Jack, and also did a piece called Alice. But he did Jack, which Catherine wrote up in our Tribeca Diary, which I'm so jealous that she got to do. Uh, and Matthias is a fantastic guy. Um, so just really excited. And he—that's a piece where it mixes a live actor. Um, inside a VR world with the participants, right? So this is all <coughs> coming down to connection and communication and interaction. And everyone in this world knows that. And everyone in this world knows now that we can they can look to live in order to push the user interface, the human design, of this stuff forward and by this stuff i mean the digital so this thing we've been wanting to see happen we've been advocating for and we've been trying to inculcate by by bringing digital 
and live immersive creators together and trying to make these two worlds as aware of each other as possible. Like it is going, it is happening. It's moving forward. Uh, and with that, we end the show. No, um, <laughs> with that, we're now in a bigger world. Um, the name of this episode is international relations. Um, I've just committed to that. It keeps on coming up in my head. Um, and so I've committed to it now. Um, we're in a bigger world. Um, we're in a world where we've moved past the first few years of it, but now there's more people coming in, more people onboarding, both from a design standpoint, a creative standpoint, and an audience standpoint. And it reminds me a lot of the first years of the internet when everyone would sort of show up. And, and as I used to say, um, it's always someone's first day on the internet, <laughs> which is still true. It just doesn't feel like that at all anymore. Um, and we're, we're in this place here in immersive where it's always someone's first day in immersive and folks just don't know what is and isn't possible. And it's still exciting. This wild west free form time, it remains really exciting, but it also means that we have this continuum of folks. Uh, and I'm counting myself in this where some of us are getting kind of jaded because we've done seen it all. Like this isn't even my fifth rodeo. This is my 100th rodeo. And by this point, I just want to see a clown get gored by a bull. No, um, <laughs> actually never want to see that really don't. Um, but it's, it's can be frustrating sometimes to like go to a piece of work and know that you're at someone's first rodeo. Um, it's easier sometimes when, uh, it's at a festival and so you can kind of walk in and, you know, like a festival brain, like I know this is someone's first time. So you grade it on a curve, um, but you're still grading rodeos. So this is a way of me saying like, I've, I've seen a lot of work lately where, um, I'm seeing a lot of enthusiasm. I'm seeing a lot of people trying stuff. Um, but I'm seeing people try stuff that's been tried before and the execution uh, it isn't always there. Um, and a part of me doesn't know why the execution isn't there. Um, there can be so many factors, but I'm kind of just kind of getting hung up on that these days. Um, I, I may be past the point where I can go to like new stuff anymore. Uh, not like new work from established people, but just like getting me back into that brain. So that is the struggle I'm going with right now. It's pertinent to this larger world thing because we're going to see more of it. We're going to see more student work more indie work. Uh, and that's such a good thing. But what I would encourage is as much as humanly possible for anyone who's jumping in now, if you want to make a great impression, right? Walk before you try to run, right? Don't, don't take on a massive project, nail the details on a small project and build up from there. The most exciting things I see these days are when people don't try to go too fast too soon, <coughs> but concentrate fully on executing what it is they can do. 
and concentrate fully on executing the interaction between participants and the worlds they've made. And I'm being very precise in that language here in that that doesn't have to mean between the audience and a performer. It also can mean that, and it, it doesn't have to mean the audience and the space, but it can mean that. It can mean either, it can mean both, but always, always, whether there's narrative agency in the hands of the participants or not, always it means the connection between the world you're making and the audience. And that is accomplished through a few simple things. Tone, which is huge, getting people into that right mood. Tone can be accomplished in part by what you could call ritual. And I don't necessarily mean like, you know, hoods and robes, but you can do that and it can be totally effective. But I'm thinking ritual in the sense of the way like a morning routine is a ritual. You want to move people into the space. You're transitioning from one world to another. You're opening up a portal. You're, you're inviting people through. <coughs> I've seen people, there's a lot of instinct to sort of try and chase people through the portal. <laughs> and that creates resistance. I, uh, I, you know, in fact, I was at a show recently, um, I was a show recently that was like trying a lot of stuff and uh, definitely had built, they had built a really clever world. And, and I was thinking I wasn't going to write about it because I was kind of a little disappointed in it. But now I'm starting to come around to the idea. I think I will write about it because as, as it's mellowed in my brain, I realized I really like the mythology they're building. Like honestly, really like, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I just felt like they couldn't decide whether they were going campy or they were going serious. And I think if they choose either way, they're going to be just fine, but it kind of rode the line a little bit for me. Um, and so this so sort of live writing a review of a piece right now. Um, just, you know, it was, it was I Pledge Allegiance, which was here in Los Angeles there. You know, cats out of the bag. Um, and they had some stuff that was, um, it was, they, they kind of came at us at 11, right off the bat with a few things. And it just created a, a sense of resistance. Like it was hard to buy in to something <coughs> that was hitting so hard so fast, which is again why I say like, maybe, maybe if they decide to, I think you need some water actually, but I'm going to power through. <coughs> if they had decided that they were going to go campy, coming in at 11 would be fine. Right. And maybe I just misread, maybe it's supposed to be campy. Um, but, uh, so if, if I did misread my bad, but I don't think so. I think they were going for like, you know, a conspiracy tone and like sinister and weird and unsettling and uncanny. I, I detected the intent was to come up, give us that feeling of the uncanny, right? Like that, this feeling that like things are going wrong and things are unraveling in front of us and coming in at 11, coming with a hammer, um, uh, I find personally like less effective than coming in with like a precision instrument. Just like that little, that little ding, ding tone that feels like, oh, something's wrong here. Um, but specifically, one of the things they did in terms of the world building is, you know, they, they were trying to get us like drink tea right at the start. And of course, if you know your fairy tales, 
you know, you don't drink anything if you're in a magical space. It's just it's bad, bad to do. Um, so think about, as you're designing, think about what, you know, the, the traditional folkloric rules of things are and how you can how you can kind of entice people or what sort of social scripts can you, can you use to get folks to, you know, slip on through and do what you want them to do? Um, can you bring someone from the mundane into the magical, right? Then she fell, does that with the drinks at the start, right? You're, you're offered drinks, but you're offered drinks in, in a way that feels so, Weirdly enough, kind of innocuous, innocuous, even though, you know, you know, you're an Alice, it's like drink me, eat me, etc. But you know, you're, you're willingly going down into Wonderland and you're not being, you mean you are being tricked, but you're not being tricked at the same time. You're complicit. How do we make people complicit in their own surrender to the other world? This is a thing. And why it's pertinent to the talk about digital immersive is that this question of how do you make putting on the headset, the onboarding into the digital experience, something that is supported by the world you're making is a question that folks in that space are asking themselves because a spatial story that involves technology that you've got to dawn as part of going through a world, there's no reason not to make it part of the narrative. And it only enhances that sense because you're not putting the helmet on in order to view some TV content. You're putting it on in order to enter a world. You're building a world, not showing someone a video in a clunky format. You must abandon the idea <laughs> that you're showing someone video in a clunky format. You must embrace the idea that you're drawing them into a world. Change your metaphor and you'll start to change your result, right? Shift the Overton window before you shift the paradigm. Look, I've been at this for like a half hour now. I realize this is a big old rant. Um, mini sewed my booty. What else? I got a couple other notes here. Um, Let's see. We're going to get some cool interviews. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're totally going to get some cool interviews going soon. I swear. Um, I met some nifty people and they live here. So we're going to get cool interviews. Uh, hopefully we're going to get Sean Stewart on the show. Uh, Sean is one of the co-creators of the alternate reality game format, along with Alon Lee and Jordan Wiseman and a bunch of other folks. Um, Sean's working at uh, a little company called Magic Leap. Uh, consulting for them these days. When we get him on the show, he will not talk about Magic Leap, um, but we will talk about things like um, making a living writing LARPs in college in the 80s, uh, and we will talk about the invention of the alternate reality game. I say this with great confidence, even though uh, we have not booked the time yet, but we're going to do that. And um, uh, Damien Madre of Presence, uh, he wasn't at Sandbox, but I talked to him the other day. Uh, Presence is uh, Presence.co or with Presence. Oh, gosh. I think it's with Presence.co is the, the URL. Um, that's a, a platform that he's building uh, to help immersive creators, uh, you know, monetize uh, and build support for their work. Um, 
experiences like uh, Lights Out, which is uh, the uh, experiential dining um, uh, event uh, that is uh, uses their platform. And uh, we had a, we had a good conversation about where he's going. It's interesting. Interesting. <coughs> Again, sorry, I should have brought water. Uh, interesting cat. And we're going to get him on here and do some talking. Honestly, we got to a certain point in our conversation yesterday where I was like, I wish we were recording this now because this is good and we probably won't be able to recreate it that way. All right. Uh, let's see. China. Ah, yes. I wrote down notes this time. I uh, want to say a big hello to Jay, who is one of our our supporters, one of our fans, one of our listeners out in China. I got to got to meet him. Uh, got to sit down and talk. Sadly, not as long as I want to. He also emailed me back. Jay, I owe you an email. I've probably annoyed you now that I haven't responded yet. I'm just like buried and catching up. And I, I'm doing that thing where it's like, this email is important. There's a lot to consider here. I need to spend do this when I have time. I got to get over that. I mean, I know we all got to get over that. But uh, Jay, I want to write you. And I'm calling uh, everyone. Ask me in a week. And by everyone, I mean Catherine. Ask me in a week <laughs> if I've written Jay back yet. Um, uh, call to... Uh, I don't know what that says. Um, first time I've done notes in a while in my own handwriting, and I don't know what's saying. Uh, oh, yeah. No, uh, here's another thing. Uh, international relations, that theme. Let's end on this note. Let's end on this note, because we've kind of gone all over the place. Uh, it's been another day with me. Um... I said day, right? I didn't say date. I hope I didn't say... I said day. I made it awkward. Well, I went and made it awkward. Let's talk about China for a second. That'll make it unawkward. Again, thank you to Eddie Liu for um, bringing us out to Qingdao. Um, really amazing, like just the scale of what's going on over there. China does things at a bigger scale than we do here in the United States. Um, there are more people in the middle class in China than there are people in the United States. That means there's a larger market for all this stuff by far. And you hear something like that, that uh, sentence, there are more people in the middle class in China than there are in the United States. And you go like, oh, that's an interesting statistic. And then you're flying into a mid-sized city in China and you see apartment block after apartment block after apartment block. Um, for Angelinos, I'm going to say you see things that look like Park La Brea. For San Franciscans, Park Merced, except three times the size. And there's one of them in one style that's three times the size. And then you count to 10, and then there's another one, three times the size of the park projects. Not projects. I said projects, but you know what I'm trying to say. It's like, it's not the projects. Um, just massive, huge. <clears throat> Apparently, I was told that when they want to build a, a highway somewhere, they just send 10,000 workers <coughs> and like build it in a week. Stuff that would take us years to do here in the States. The government there has decided that investing in immersive technology is going to be a thing, which means it's going to be a thing. And they're leading on the technology side in a way that because of the economies of scale, we're just not catching up with here in the States or probably in Europe either. In the long run, you know, this is probably just fine, right? Like someone's got to take point. That's the way it's going to be. 
We're entering into this phase right now, though, and I would encourage you. <coughs> uh, David Spira posted over everything immersive, and it's making the rounds in NoPro Slack. Um, uh, there's the this these tariffs that are going on. Uh oh, we're getting political. The tariffs that are going on with China in terms of like commodities uh, is having an impact on the room escape business because the diodes that people buy for their, you know, for building room gadgets, the prices are going to go up 25% tariffs, right? Um, their consumer market is so large. Like America's advantage is that we're a big consumer market, but there's more people in the middle class in China than there are in the United States. I just want you to think about that. And I want you to think about this, the, 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 what I saw part of this. We are a very tiny planet now. I flew to another continent. I time traveled in many different ways in the span of about 11 hours. I know, I know, international travel noob, like, oh yeah, everyone knows that. But this is kind of like acid, right? Where like, you know, Timothy Leary was like, oh, you should probably be doing this like once you're an adult, not when you're like 18. Well, then he took a bunch of acid and he's like, everybody take acid. Um, <laughs> oh, great. I just said, everybody take acid. Someone's going to sample that. Morgan, don't, Morgan, don't you dare. Um, <laughs> no, he's really going to do it. Uh, sorry, it's me. I'm hungover. Yes, it's 4.22 and I'm still hungover. It's been a good day. Um, scale. Connection. <laughs> TED Talk. Um, what I'm trying to say is, number one, sorry everybody. Number two, We're not going to do this alone. And that goes for all the immersive designers in live and digital in the States with each other in these different cities, all of us connecting that's going to move this forward, but also globally, we're not going to do this alone. We've run out of time and space to no longer recognize that whether we like it or not, we are a global society. We're a very fractious, combative, and argumentative global society. We're all in this heat sink together, and we're all in these economies together, and we're all in these, these struggles for resources and these quests to be excellent and in this this drive to explore the edges of just what it is humanity can do and be together and i know that's scary but it's also wonderful and i just want to I'm, I'm i'm a whole i wish i wish this wasn't VR, I'm holding out my hand. I just want to say, let's do this together. Let's go together. Let go of your fear. 
Let go your anger. Embrace your wonder. And let's go play. And make a better world. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Bradley Smith, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hanson, Arthur Tubman, Ari Herstan, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. And we're brought to you by the generous support of the wonderful people at Meow Wolf in Santa Fe, New Mexico, who I'm really looking forward to visiting. Because it's so hot in LA, there's no difference now. Um, <laughs> I'm Noah Nelson, and until next time, I'll see you at the show. Bye.